Hariyam, Shri Gurubhyo Namaha. When we grow up in a tradition, the things in that tradition create a certain feeling in our hearts. Like when we hear the sound of temple bells and we're familiar with that sound and we've grown up with that sound, then it invokes the feeling of divinity within our hearts. We think it's time for prayer or we feel we've been sanctified just by hearing that sound. And so this is one of the beautiful things about puja. Puja is the ritual. It can be very, very complicated and it can be very long. And there's a whole science to it. And we're going to talk a little bit about puja today, for it is the first step of bhakti. In traditional puja, the mantras or the whole puja is designed so that we are invoking truth, divinity, to come and live in the object that we are doing puja to. And so one of the steps of the puja is actually avahanam, which means I am inviting you and bringing you here. And it's done by holding the left hand to our heart and the right hand on the picture or the murti or the tree or even sometimes a person to which we are going to be doing the puja too. And the idea is that for this short time, I am seeing God in this particular form. And so puja acknowledges that God is all pervading and can be seen in every form. And the idea is that seeing it everywhere might be too much of a stretch for so many people. And so I can do a little bit at a time. And for this period of time, I see God in this form. And I give it my whole and complete attention. And so Puja is now that I've invoked the Lord into this form, I worship. And the steps of the Puja are beautiful. Because they things that we do throughout the day and they things we do day in and day out. And so things that we are very, very familiar with. So the steps of puja is washing hands, washing feet, or sometimes full abhishek would be likened to us taking a bath, taking a shower. We offer food, again, something we're very familiar with. We eat so many times in a day. And when we entertain guests in our house, we offer food and we make sure that the food is tasty and well-made and fresh. And so here too in Puja, we're offering food which we have elaborately prepared and taken great care to make sure it's tasty and fresh. Then the steps of Puja can be more elaborate where we have Rajopacharam, entertainment and people bring in classical dances or musical renditions, playing of instruments, sometimes there's drama or there's art, sculpture, in temples especially, there would be some kind of performance as part of the Puja to keep people engaged and of course the performance would be highly sattvic, it would be something that lifts the mind to the Lord, it would be something that praises the Lord. In less elaborate pujas, these steps can be a simple bhajan or it can be left out altogether. And then there's asking for forgiveness. Again, this is something that was there in our culture, maybe less so now, but I remember as a kid when we would stay at somebody's house or if somebody stayed at our house, when leaving, they would say, you know, if I did anything wrong, please forgive me. And it was a very sweet part of the goodbye process. 
And so in puja too, there's this asking for forgiveness should anything have been done incorrectly or if it wasn't done at all. Then the last step of the puja is inviting the Lord back into our heart. And from beginning to end, there's lots of offerings, giving of flowers, giving of water, giving of incense, giving of lamps, giving of garlands. And so a very significant part of the puja is giving. So it's turning my attention away from me to the Lord. And what is it that I can give the Lord that would please the Lord? And how can I acquire it or how can I make it? And how can I make it the best it can be so that I give it to the Lord? And even the mantras is continuously a sense of an offering, you know, swaha or namaha, a bowing down. And the word samarpayami, the sense of surrendering and giving, is used very often as well. When we see the steps of puja, one, the mind is engaged in all those actions because it's a beautiful ritual of a sequence. And so we're constantly thinking, what is the next thing I have to do? And we get things ready for the next thing that we have to do. So if the next step is to offer the agarbati, the incense, then not only do we get the incense ready, but we get the fire ready and we get the holder plate for when it's going to fall. And so there's this attentiveness in keeping the mind in the action, but there's also the idea of relating it to the Lord, remembering the Lord in each step. And in the seat of puja, this constant remembering of the Lord for these everyday actions could then very simply spill over in the next day when we are doing the everyday actions to also remember the Lord in those moments. You know, when we are taking a bath, we remember that we did Abhishek for the Lord. And so the mind goes back to the Lord, even though I'm not in puja, but I'm doing that action, which is a routine part of my day. Or I sit down to eat, and again, I remember I offered the Nevedyam to the Lord. And again, the mind is uplifted. And so it's almost as it's very deliberate that the steps of the puja are things that will be done by me on a regular basis. And if it's tuned, if my mind is tuned in puja to the Lord, then very possibly even after puja in doing those same everyday actions, my mind is uplifted to the Lord. But what's really beautiful in the understanding of this ritual is that the Lord has come from within my heart to be worshipped outside. And so all those things that I am offering the Lord, I'm actually offering to the very essence which is within me. And right now, me as an entity has the essence of divinity, but also has all these other desires and likes and dislikes and moods of the mind. But when we truly in a mood of tunement with the divine, then we can get to the point where we understand that when I am taking a bath, then it is a bishek of that divinity which is seated in my heart. When I am eating, the eating is an offering of nevedyam to the Lord that is sitting within me. And there is even that beautiful Gita verse that says that he is the very digestive power within our system. 
And so when we offer the food as though into our mouths to our digestive system, we are offering it to him. And so even though at the first level of puja, I'm seeing the Lord outside of me and I am doing all the steps in the ritual, the more I attune to the Lord and to the ritual, I start to see it in all my everyday actions. I start to see it as he is or she is the very essence within me and all my actions that I am doing, if I can dedicate it and turn my attention to that divinity within my heart, then all day long I am doing puja. And this is why we see in the lives of great saints like Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, who would do puja regularly to Mother Kali. In fact, he would spend hours doing puja to Mother Kali. And then as he evolved, there would come a point where he would be so lost in the trance of doing the puja to Mother Kali and he would be able to see that complete oneness within his being with Mother Kali that he would be taking the flowers and instead of offering it to the murti, he would be offering it to his own head. And people watching would think he's gone crazy, he's lost it. He's supposed to be worshipping the Divine Mother. But when we come to see that it's that same essence within us, then puja has really fulfilled itself in its purpose, because what we're worshipping is what is within our very essence. It starts as a very simple ritual, and it starts with a ritual that requires learning and concentration so that we get all the steps right and the mantras right, and so it engages our mind. And as it engages our mind, it slowly uplifts our mind. And as it uplifts our mind, it helps us to completely purify the mind until we can finally see that Lord which we are worshipping outside is actually, in essence, me. And so, puja should never be underestimated in its power, in its beauty. And if you haven't actually tried doing it wholeheartedly, then it's definitely worth investing time to practice it. Whether it be guided by someone else or whether we do it ourselves, to be able to see the beauty of it and to be able to see if it suits my temperament and become an effective sadhana, an effective spiritual exercise. For it truly can transform our mind to the divinity that we worship. Think about it. For more in-depth talks from Swamini Supriyananda and other excellent teachers of the Chinmaya mission, you can subscribe to chinmayaclicks.com. You can also visit the Chinmaya channel on YouTube for bite-sized inspiration and discourses on in-depth Vedantic texts. To know about local classes, activities, and upcoming retreats, visit www.chinmymission.com and see you on the next podcast.